Matthew chapter 4, reading from verse 1. I want to talk to us about stepping into the red zone. The red zone is a red sector on a gauge or a dial corresponding to conditions that exceed safety limits. And so you have seen on your car, the older cars, that if you are getting close to being on empty with your fuel tank, the red light starts to flash. You're exceeding the red zone. The car that I have that I absolutely love, if I get too close to a car in front of me, not only does the car brake automatically, which I'm very thankful for, but there is some red flashing lights that come on on my dashboard, and they are red, and they flash, and they say, danger ahead. I've learned to respond to that immediately. And so today, I want to talk to us about temptation, the temptation of um, what the Lord Jesus Christ went through. I want to speak to us just about how Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. And as you know, as we read the scripture in just a little while, you'll find out that the temptation that Jesus was led into by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to face his arch enemy was a temptation that happened straight after Jesus' incredible obedience to the Father. Because you'll read in Matthew chapter 4, as we will see here, that Jesus had just been baptized in water in the Jordan by John the Baptist. As he was baptized, his obedience was affirmed by God in the way of a dove coming upon him, symbolic of the Holy Spirit, the anointing that was poured out over his life in the form of the Holy Spirit. But not only that, a voice from heaven spoke and said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Then he got up and the Bible, as we will read, says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, let these stones become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man will not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is written, do not Put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, the devil said, if you bow down 
and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. The angels came and attended to him. Temptation has been defined as an invitation to do something wrong. The craving to fulfill a legitimate desire or need in an illegitimate way. I think that was one of the first truths that I was taught as a teenager underscored when I went to college. And um, I remember my Bible teacher, throughout Scripture, there was a sense that he went back to this point and he drummed it into our lives for those of us who were going to be pastors into the future, that we've got to be very careful to fulfill a legitimate desire in an illegitimate way. But we see that this is exactly what the aim of the devil was. It was a subtle disguise to get Jesus to sin. Of course, we know Scripture says that even though he was tempted in all ways as we are, the Bible says that he never sinned. But we do know that the devil even tried to tempt Jesus. Now, I should say this, that temptation in itself is not sin. Why? Because we see that Jesus was tempted. But he didn't yield to that temptation. Very, very clear. So we've got to understand that all of us will be led into a place and we will be tempted on the one hand. And this is very interesting. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. So Jesus was very, very much involved in this temptation. With Jesus. Now, we've often heard that, you know, uh, Jesus will never tempt us, the devil will, but Jesus will lead us into places of trial for the perfection of our faith. Oftentimes, we see that when we do face a trial, in the midst of it, there are temptations that arise out of it. So, we've got to understand it. Whenever we're in a difficult place, oftentimes, the devil, not always, oftentimes the devil will come to us and he would tempt us, he would try and sway us, he would give us an invitation, he would put it before us and say, come on, do this. But he does it in a very subtle way. The sin is giving into temptation or yielding to temptation. Martin Luther said, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep him from building a nest in your hair. And that's what temptation is. It'll come to us. But you and I do, in God, have the ability to resist that temptation, to make sure that the bird doesn't build a nest within us. The my, friends, the moment we allow the devil into that temptation within our lives, it's almost too late to say no. 
And I'm going to show you some ways how we can be aware, how we can take steps to make sure that we don't step into that place where the enemy gets the advantage over us. In Jesus' life, and I would like us just to focus on Jesus for a little while, because you and I would need to run to Jesus when we're in that place of temptation. And so let's look at him. We heard quite a bit about him already in the service today. Jesus, in this passage, is um, recognized as the Son of God. Jesus, in this passage, is also mocked by the devil using the words, Son of God. Jesus is put in a position where he faces the devil head on. There was going to be a clash of two kingdoms right here. There was going to be someone who comes out of this battle victoriously and someone who would be defeated and pushed back. The devil throughout of, um, all the time that Jesus was on the earth tried at different times to bump Jesus off course so he would not fulfill the plan of God, namely to go to the cross and pay for the Son of mankind. And so we see here that Jesus, the Son of God, learned obedience, the Scripture says, through the same things that he suffered. So we see here that as he met John the Baptist, he was baptizing people left, right, and center. And Jesus comes to John the Baptist and he says, John, I want you to baptize me. John says, Lord, I can't do that. He says, you know, I should be baptized by you. John the Baptist recognized that Jesus was God, was the Son of God. He said, no, Jesus says, no, I must get baptized because that is the right thing to do. I must fulfill all righteousness. And in that moment when Jesus got baptized, he opened the door for you and I also to step into that place of obedience. So Jesus obeyed God's rule for us in that very, very moment when he got baptized that day. He opened up the door and he showed us a way in which we must walk. Our Christian experience through faith is based on obedience. When God says, do this, we say, Lord, would you give me the grace and the faith to do it? Jesus opened up that door and he obeyed his Father in that very moment. An incredible example set for us. The devil saw it. Jesus was right at the pinnacle of his experience here. He had just experienced the anointing of God. He had just had the approval of God spoken over his life. And the devil used that opportunity where Jesus was standing firm to tempt him. This is
what Leonard Ravenhill says. He says, when God opens the windows of heaven to bless you, the devil opens the door of hell to blast you. <laughs> let's not be deceived. When we're right here, let's make sure that our eyes are wide open. Martin Luther, the great reformer, it was written of him that at times that he felt the very presence of evil so strongly, physically, that it weighed so heavenly down on him because he said he came face to face with the devil. My friends, the devil is real. And he would come to us and he would try to break down our faith. He would try to make us ineffective. He would try and get us distracted from the things that God has um, opened up for us through the cross. And if he can do that, he could master us. And so we see here that not only did Jesus experience such opposition from the devil in this context, but we see it through some incredible men and women of old. And, and I love to quote Martin Luther in this context because he was the great reformer. And um, he put the church back on its way. But the more he pressed for the kingdom of God to break through so that people could be saved, equally hard the enemy came at him. And through temptations, his way that he had to stand against. And it happens to you and I as well. We would see that Moses had the victory through the Red Sea, manna coming from heaven, water from the rock, and then the people started to murmur. Angus came into his heart and he struck the rock. It was his temptation. Elijah on Mount Carmel won this great and amazing victory over all of the prophets of Baal. Fire came from heaven, destroyed those people. But then the threats started happening. Fear came upon him and he ran from Jezebel. How is that possible? My friends, what is very clear and what you and I need to understand as Christians, that temptation will come our way. It comes to all of us. And it is normal for us to be tempted. I think it's abnormal when we are not tempted <laughs> to do wrong. I want you to know that within your hearts because so many people would say, you know, have I sinned when I'm tempted? No. It is when you cross that barrier and when you yield to that temptation. We saw that with David, incredible leader, man after own God, a real worshipper. Just won amazing victories through the army of God. And as his army was very, very strong, he was supposed to have gone out with them in battle, but arrogance had taken over within his heart. And he said, I don't need to be on the front lines anymore. I'll send the other man. Stayed at home on his balcony. He was watching a certain lady, and he continued to watch her, and he sinned with that very, very lady, lady Bathsheba. And the consequences were many. That took place when God forgave him. But I wonder whether David ever really fully recovered from all the consequences that he actually had gone through. Should we respect temptation? Absolutely. Should we fear it? 
I don't think we should because we step into it with the one who had overcome. And so my friends, the best friend that you can have as you walk minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, in this world, when temptation comes your way, is to walk with Jesus because he'll always be with you. And Jesus shows us here in this passage of Scripture how we can overcome. It's such an amazing passage of Scripture, this. And um, when you read it, you just find out how real it is. And I'd like to read those verses just for us. And I just want you to just note what is going on here. Remember, this doesn't give us the true picture of the fierceness of the battle. Remember, it was 40 days that Jesus didn't eat. He was hungry. The devil was at him all the time. Do you sometimes feel this way? I feel that way sometimes. You just overcome one temptation, and then there is the next one that comes. And it sometimes just wears you out. But Jesus is faithful to be there with us because he overcame the devil in this way. And this is what the scripture says. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry. The tempter, the devil, came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, let these stones be turned to bread. Jesus answered, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This first temptation. devil approached him. You know, for me, it is like I get so angry when I read this because who does the devil think he is to speak to the Son of God? <laughs> who does the devil think he is to approach him but God allowed it? Who was the devil? Who did he think he is to speak to the Lamb of God that could take away the sins of the world? But he comes against Jesus. A wonderful picture of when the devil comes to us. He doesn't only just come against you and I. In that moment, he comes against Jesus in our temptation. And the first temptation has everything to do with fulfilling a legitimate need, a true need, a real need, in an illegitimate way. Have you ever heard people say, the end does not justify the means. Have you heard that? Yeah. The end never justifies the means. The devil comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, man, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He was probably saying to him, Jesus, you know what? You've done very well for 40 days now. You're the son of God and you're hungry. Remember, he was tempting Jesus in his humanity and through his humanity. Jesus didn't use his divinity as the son of God to resist temptation. He resisted temptation in his humanity. And so he says to him, Jesus, come on, you're hungry. You've got the power just to take these rocks and to turn it into bread. Fulfill your hunger. It's legitimate. Go ahead and do it. Jesus knew 
that he could not fulfill a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. My friends, there are times when you and I look at the end result and we say, well, it doesn't actually, it's not important how we get there, it's just that we get there. The Bible tells us it is important that we get there because it leads to something further, as you will see a little bit later on in the third temptation. So the devil was saying to Jesus, Jesus, the craving that you have, fulfill it in an illegitimate way. Eat the bread. And how does Jesus respond to him? Jesus just says to him, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. How did he resist the temptation? He says, from the word of God. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. So it's not just the Logos word, which is this that he uses, which we'll see in the other two temptations. But here, I think, it is the rhema word as well. It is the prophetic word that he speaks about. That word that comes from God. That which God says. And we see the book of Timothy that Paul says to Timothy, you know, don't grow weary, you know, Listen to the prophecies that were spoken over you. So Jesus says to him, every word that comes from the mouth of God, that is by what we live. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He says, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels after you. And we see here again that he says to Jesus, throw yourself down from the temple. He says, protect yourself. Take matters in your own hands. Just be spectacular here. Just do what you can do. Just show everyone what you can do. He was trying to get Jesus to be prideful and to act independently of his God. The thrust of every temptation here and every temptation that you and I fail is to act independently of God and to do it our way instead of God's way. That's the purpose of every temptation. Independence. Instead of total and full dependence on God. Just go ahead and do it, Jesus. Um, just protect yourself. You're not going to get your father's protection. You do it. That was the second temptation. The third temptation we see here. He says, bow down and worship me. And it's very interesting that he would be so blatant after the third temptation and come and say that to him. He says, um, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
on the third temptation, very, very subtly, he said, I will give you all of these things. He says, I will give it to you. And my friends, there was some truth in what the devil was saying to Jesus because some of the things of this world has been placed into his hands. So he could actually give Jesus some of them. But it wasn't his to give. Jesus knew that the Father was going to give all things to him, but at the right time. Amen? But also in the right way. We come back to where um, the end never justifies the means. And I'll tell you why. It's a biblical principle. What he was trying to get Jesus to do as he said to him, when he took him to this very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all of the splendor, you've got to understand that Jesus had such a desire for his people that they would come out from underneath the tyranny of evil. And that they would say, Jesus, if you bow down before me, I will give it to you and you can free your people now. Free them. You can do it. You're the son of If you are the son of God, you can do it. Jesus stood back and he said to them, Away from me, Satan, for it is written. What did he say? For it is written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You see, what he was trying to get Jesus to do is to have without going by way of the cross. He wanted Jesus to sidestep the cross. He wanted Jesus to rule without going the way that God had prescribed for him, and that was to die upon the cross. My friends, he was trying to get Jesus to act independently and to do things his way. He still does it to us today. Come on. You can do it. If the end is good, doesn't matter how you get there. Have you ever heard people in business say, man, just climb the ladder. It doesn't matter who you climb over, just get there. Just get there. It's the way of the world. It's not the way of God. My friends, the way of God is the least in the kingdom of heaven will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. If you want to be first, you need to serve. It's the way of the kingdom. The devil was trying to bring a new beatitude within the world. And he was saying to Jesus, Jesus, I will show you my way. You go it. Jesus stepped back. He saw what was happening there. And Jesus wasn't going to answer his own personal needs through the way of the devil. You and I, in our daily lives, will struggle with some of those things. My friends, the scripture teaches us that the ways of God are much better than our ways. But the moment when we as Christians become so full of ourselves, the moment we as Christians have so many resources that we can buy ourselves out of situations, influence ourselves out of situations by doing it our way and not God's way, my friends, we're falling for the temptation 
that is so old but so destructive. The way of the cross is very different from the way of this world. The way of this world is the way of the devil. My friends, he's still active and he is still ready to lead us into that place where we would sin. I remember in my younger days, Jenny and I was just married and I think we were married for about six months and my parents and myself and Jenna and I, we went to a mall in Durban. And I remember Jenny and I walking in the mall with my parents and there was another girl just walking in front of me there. She was very nicely dressed and as she was walking there, I looked at that girl. I looked once, and when I wanted to look twice, I kicked my shin on a pillar there that was shaped, and I still have the marks to show for it today. <laughs> Jenny remembers it. And you know, ah! of course, my dad with a great sense of humor, he says, yeah, that's what happens when you yield to temptation. And that re reminds me still today, my friends, that my friends, we could choose whether we want to sin or not. But we cannot choose the consequences that come. Amen? And so you may say, well, I'm under grace. Yes, God forgives our sins, but my friends, you can never choose the consequences that comes after you've sinned. I still carry this mark over here. And Jesus knew exactly that. That if he forfeited this challenge with the devil, the consequences would have been major. He would play into the hands of the devil. Now, to close off, how do we overcome temptation? My friends, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, he said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now when I walk into a mall, I always find out where the next pillar is. Now I learned my lesson. When we pray, it helps us to be on the front foot. When we are a person of prayer, it helps us to be alert to what the devil throws along the way to us. My friends, prayer is not an optional extra for the Christian. My friends, if we neglect prayer, you'll find out that even though your spirit is willing, your flesh will be weak. There is something about prayer that overcomes the flesh. Have you experienced that? It's true. To overcome temptation, let's do what Jesus commands us. Pray so that you will not fall into temptation. He was speaking to his disciples when they were in the garden of Gethsemane. 
He wanted them to pray with him because of the trial that was coming. The devil again tempted him there to step away from the cross, if you remember. Jesus saying to his father, if it is your will, let this cup pass me by. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You see, my friends, your will be done. Independence gives way to total dependence on Christ. Christian maturity is not seen in what we do. Christian maturity is seen in how much we trust God and how little we rely on ourselves. Secondly, my friends, to overcome temptation, we need to depend on the scriptures to stand our ground. Jesus quoted it three times. He said, what? It is written. It's not what you want. It's not what you think is right. It is what the scripture says it is right. But for us to embrace the scriptures, again, we need to step back from our own independence. We need to become like little children and we need to rely on what God says is right, even if it doesn't make sense. Amen? It is countercultural, the scriptures. It is written. Jesus said, and next week Ken is going to speak more about that. And then lastly, my friends, we need to ask God to change our desires. There are times within our walk with Christ where we choose ways which are not God's way. As Christians, when we're in that place, we need to ask God to pour out his grace upon us and for him to change our desires. Because not all of our desires are in line with him. To lean into the grace of God will empower us to overcome some of the desires that's not in line with him. My friends, Paul Tripp says, our problem with sin is deeper than the external temptation. Sin is a matter of the heart that expresses itself in giving way to temptation's draw. If you find that you're sinning continuously, and sometimes within our walk that is the way it is as Christians, we sin often. If that is the case, we need to come to God and say, would you change my desires? My friends, if he could save us like he did, don't you think he could change those desires within our hearts? That's not of him. I believe he can do that. And you look at the person next to you. In this case this morning, there is not one person here who doesn't face temptation. All of us are rowing together in the same boat. All of us. We need to ask God to change some of our desires. 
I have some desires that I need to put before God and say, God, are these desires yours or are they just mine? God needs to come and change them. If you are not growing as a Christian, oftentimes it is because our desires point us in a different direction. When we ask the Holy Spirit to change our desires, to point us in the right direction, it's amazing what happens within our lives. And so I'd love just to pray for us this morning that God would give us the grace just to overcome and where we have sinned to come to him and to say, Lord, change my heart in this area.